All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How's it going? Did you get everything cleaned up? Throw it away. Throw out the leftovers. Come on, man. It's Monday. I mean, that was what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? That was four days ago. Get rid of it. Did you freeze the pie? What do you, What are you doing? That turkey's not getting any better. Just throw it away. You're not going to eat the potatoes. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Uh, at my mother's house, the leftovers get thrown away fairly quickly. Bill Pullman is here. Uh, you know him from Independence Day, Sleepless in Seattle, The Accidental Tourist, The Equalizer, and every other movie. Lost Highway, right? Lost Highway. That's what it was. Yeah. He's been in everything. He's currently in the fourth season of the USA Network detective show, The Sinner. Bill Pullman. I was very excited to talk to him. A lot of people get mixed up with Bill Paxton, who passed away, also who had on this show. Great guy. Both of them. Great guys. Great character actors. I guess you would call them character actors. Uh, But he's here, and I'm going to talk to him. Look, some business. Some business at the top, as they call it. There's a Cyber Monday sale going on at podschwag.com slash WTF. Go get some WTF merch, and you'll get free domestic shipping with the code FREESHIP. All right? That's today only. You hear me? Podschwag.com. The Christmas sweater sweatshirts are there. The Hawaiian shirt with me and uh, Booster and Smushy on there. Yeah, it's all there. Now, also, this is important because I don't want to butcher the interview that's going to happen on Thursday. It's Benedict Cumberbatch this Thursday. And I want to give you a heads up on that because his new movie, The Power of the Dog, starts streaming on Netflix this Wednesday. December 1st. Watch it. I don't want there to be spoilers, and our conversation is too deep and too nuanced to uh, to, to butcher. So watch the fucking movie, and don't blame me for spoilers, or wait to listen to Cumberbatch until after you watch the movie. I'll give you a heads up before the, before the interview as well. What can I tell you? It was a very good conversation about the movie. All right. So if you want to check it out before you hear us talk about it, Wednesday is your chance. You hear me? Power of the Dog, Netflix. Great movie. Real poetry, that one. Now, here's something else. Now, the big news. Is this big news? I've got tour dates for the This May Be the Last Time tour. All right. That starts in January. A fan pre sale starts tomorrow. November 30th at 10 a.m. local time. The pre-sale code is TIME. TIME. General ticket sales start Friday, December 3rd. Here are the cities. You ready? Listen for the name of the city near you. In California, Santa Barbara at the Libero, San Luis Obispo at the Fremont, San Francisco at the Palace of Fine Arts, and Napa at Uptown. Those are January 27th through January 30th. I'm doing smaller theaters because they make me happier. I enjoy them more. Oh, more California dates. One more. San Diego at the Observatory North Park, February 11th. Now, East Coast, New Haven, Connecticut, College Street, March 9th. Troy, New York Music Hall, March 10th. Laconia, New Hampshire at the Colonial Theater, March 11th. Burlington, Vermont at the Flynn Center, March 12th. 
Atlanta, Georgia at Buckhead, April 1st. Providence, Rhode Island, the Columbus Theater, April 15th. Boston, the Wilbur, April 16th. Portland, Maine at the State Theater, April 17th. Wisconsin, Madison at the Barrymore Theater, and Milwaukee at Turner Hall Ballroom, April 27th and 28th. Chicago at the Vic Theater, April 29th. Minneapolis at the Pantages, April 30th. Pittsburgh at the Carnegie of Homestead, May 12th, that haunted place. Cleveland, Ohio, the Mimi Ohio Theater, May 13th. Royal Oak, Michigan, the Music Theater. Isn't that the Music Box Theater? May 14th. Washington, D.C. at the Kennedy Center, May 20th. Red Bank, New Jersey at the Count Basie Center, May 21st. Philadelphia at the Keswick Theater, May 22nd. North Carolina, Durham, the Carolina Theater on June 17th. And Charlotte, the Night Theater at Blumenthal on June 18th. And Charleston, South Carolina at the Charleston Music Hall, June 19th. Again, pre-sale tickets at all those venues go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. local time. All right? Whoo, man. Wow. I'm, I'm happy to be home. I was in Florida a long time. I went out there Monday. I did it differently. Different attitude, different approach to the cooking. I didn't freak out. Everyone getting weird. Everyone's getting weird as they get older. I got John. Mark, Mark, let me, here, come, let, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a story. Yeah, I, I, uh, when I was younger, I, I worked at the Schraff's, at Schraff's. I used to sell uh, on the street. I would sell eggs and cheese and other proteins in Harlem. I'm sorry if I'm being repetitive. It was a different time. I sold eggs. You sold eggs? I sold eggs and cheese on the street. You just, yes, in Harlem. Why you got to be a wise ass? I'm, I'm not. It's just like, where's the rest of that story? I mean, that as it is is good, but wait, I can't talk to you. I, you sold eggs and cheese. It was a different time. On the street, different time. So he's uh, he's remaining the same. My mother is fine. I had a nice time. I had a good state of mind. I, I had a nicer, low-key hotel. And I uh, had a rent a car. I saw my brother. Spent time with him, his girlfriend, Julia. Sometimes my niece came down, Eden, who I never see. My uh, nephew's there, Shy, and uh, cousins. And I got to spend time with everybody. I had a nice time. That's all I'm going to say. I got no complaints. There was no arguing. My uncle is a little kooky with the watching too much Fox News. I don't even know if it's he's a Republican or if he's conservative. He just sort of reels off of these things. But, you know, I find that a lot of that stuff is uh, fairly shallow. It just emboldens a disposition, uh, an anger. And, yeah, but once I pressed through, it was like, whatever. You know what I mean? It, it, it went away. They, they think they win arguments. I don't know. I don't know what it is. He was always sort of a... Uh, Difficult. I, I'm going to be diplomatic because I told him, it's funny, I told him I'm doing a bit about John on stage. He goes, I said, you're next. He goes, yeah, well, I sue. I'm like, okay, relax, buddy. It ain't that important. I sue. That's the kind of guy he is. I sue. Do you? How deep are your pockets, motherfucker? How deep are your fucking pockets? They're getting older. Everybody's getting older. The Rolling Stones are getting older. My mother's getting older. Her boyfriend's getting older. My aunt and uncle are getting older. Everybody's getting older. And I got to be honest with you, I don't like it. I don't like it. But I got along pretty good with John. And also, like, I, I was talking to my uncle, the difficult uncle. And, I, you know, I've got, I just asked him about restaurants down there. And I was like, are there any good restaurants here? Because 
Wherever I'm going with my mom, with my mom and John, I don't know, man. I don't think it's good. I said I don't think people remember what good food is. After a certain point, you're down here long enough, they don't remember. He's like, that's true. And he said, all they want is for the guy at the restaurant to know him. And I'm like, I know, I did a bit about that. That's all it is. You know, big servings, and they when they walk in, they want to hear like, there he is. Here's we got your table right over here. Here he comes. How are you? Good to see you. Regular table, that makes up for everything. You can put give them a plate of garbage. But if they come over and go, how's the garbage? Good? Was the garbage good tonight? We always take care of you with the garbage. Loved it. We, so we're, we're happy you come. How's the table? Good? Yeah, we love it. Thanks for the garbage. They know me at the place. Hilarious. Hilarious. So happy to get home and cook my own food. Holy shit. That tour, I didn't even realize it. Like, I'm, it's actually happening. I, always, I agree to these things, and I don't know they're going to happen until it's on paper. This may be the last time. That's the name of that tour. All right? Buster and Sam, you're fine. Everybody's fine. There was some dry puke on the stairs. I'll take care of it. See, I'm putting it off. I'll get to it. It's over. I don't, you know, it's not in my path. <laughs> That's gross. Pow! Look out. Just shit my pants. Justcoffee.coop. A classic ad from back in the day. It was a different time. Different time. Folks, Bill Pullman is here, and the season finale of The Sinner airs this Wednesday, December 1st, on USA Networks. You know him from a lot of other movies. I'm not going to list him. Go look it up and go see Power of the Dog. He's not in that, but I want to speak freely about it Thursday. But right now, Bill Pullman is here. And that, as I said, the finality of the finality, the finale of The Sinner airs Wednesday, December 1st. And uh, I enjoyed talking to Bill. So why don't you do that now? How long have you lived up there? Have you been here the long whole time? 91 is when we moved in there. I had uh, found an old place that uh, I, I was, we were looking for a place that had some slope behind it so I could build an orchard up there. And then we were lucky to find it in that little uh, kind so, of a, one yeah. of the little canyon. Oh, there. so you knew you needed slope to build an orchard? Well, yeah, I had been in Silver Lake and I, there was a little bit of a slope at that house, but I just thought I was starting, I really, the thing that grounds me in L.A. is this, uh, I can grow things here. Yeah. You know, like from Western New York State originally, and it was cold so you, climate, and this is like, we grow anything from around the world here. So. Yeah? So what do you grow? Are you still growing things? Still growing things, yeah. And what do you spend time? You go out into the garden and you, you well, you know, I'm not dawdle I'm around. Not, not really a gardener. That's uh, <laughs> you know, the orchard is more forgiving. You know, that's something that doesn't require you know the kind of intense thing that may, I can't be there all the time. Right, and has to take some brutal neglects. From, yeah, you know, for the trees though, the they trees. can handle it as long as you keep water on them. Yeah. yeah so they, what do you got? What fruit? Well, right now, I should have brought some uh, persimmons, are really. The hard ones or the soft ones? What do you Fuyu. do? Yeah. They are the harder ones. What do you do with them? Well, you know, you right now, um, sometimes I let them go until they're really soft. Yeah. And then you can kind of make a lot of- Like jam and stuff? Jam. But there isn't there a jam. kind of persimmon that doesn't get soft? Well, fool you, you eat it crisped. In a, yeah. In, but if you wait long enough to get it soft, the hayachu is uh, the one that- 
you know, gets softer and that you can only eat soft. Oh, okay, okay. I always love that word they apply. It's astringent. Astringent. It'll suck the moisture out of your mouth. Yes. Like, I I thought, that's a word only to fruit. People don't apply it to people, but maybe it would work. Yeah, and uh, they're astringent emotionally. Emotionally astringent. Astringent. (laughs) You suddenly feel like you're getting sucked. Exactly, yeah. You don't want to be around emotionally astringent people. (laughs) So, it's weird. I kept my... There is some sort of cross-wiring in my... like in. I, I don't know if you've had to deal with it your whole career, but you know why uh, with, um, see, now it's happening again. Uh, Paxton. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Paxton-Pullman problem. Yes. I, yes. I interviewed Bill, you know, not long before he passed, and what a great guy. But I, I, I just, like, I don't know if you guys knew each other or what, but there is a cross-wiring that happens between the two of you. Yeah. Does it, is that something I'm making up? Uh, no, no. You know, I think it's uh, the plosive sounds. Oh, is that what it is? Bill yeah. Pullman. Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Yeah. You know, there's uh, something like right. that. Uh, did you know him? Yeah, I yeah. did. I really was. We were um, always fond of each other, yeah. you know, and uh, his wife uh, knew a little bit, but uh, mostly from the early days in L.A., we made a movie together. Which one? It's called Brain Dead. Oh yeah, there's a Roger Corman movie. A classic. Yeah, a Corman classic. A late Corman, Corman classic. classic. And uh, yeah, it was. It actually had a little uh, kind of underground uh, crowd that liked it. Which, uh, but he uh, he. And I still I had a Polaroid picture from that thing yeah. that I kept at my workshop, and it was. I was playing a character who was undergoing surgery and my head so that the at a certain point uh, I could dig my own fingers into the sutures of my head right. and curl back the top of my head. Right. Black butterflies came out. Nice. And I was in a hospital outfit and yeah. uh, Bill was playing a doctor uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the thing and the, he, the two of us are hanging out together. Right. It's like my favorite <laughs> memory of him. What, what happened to that writer, the guy with the black butterflies? That seems kind of... Charles, uh, Charles Beaumont. Oh, really? You remember was, the guy? Yeah. Well, he was kind of a famous writer for the Twilight Zone episodes. Oh. He wrote all the original Twilight oh, Zones. So- and the director of the film, Adam Simons, you know, Corman said, you know, go into the... He had shelves with all these scripts on yeah. that he owned that are all these kind of like yeah. weird ideas. Right. And Adam went through and found this old Charles Beaumont script. Originally, shot it. it was called Paranoia. Oh, yeah. But that was not marketable to brain, Corman. What was it? Brain? Brain Dead. The brain opposite dead. Of, yeah. of Paranoia. Yeah, huh. Strange, but I guess Brain Dead was the way to go in that yeah. kind of thing. Wow. So you really got, that was that was your baptism into the film business? No, well, it was early on, you know, it was- uh, uh, Oh, yeah, I guess uh, you've, it was, you did that after Accidental Tourist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know when it got released or what what happened with with it, but uh, yeah, it was also a lot of actors that I had been hanging out with anyway with the Actors Gang. Oh yeah, oh with uh, Tim Robbins, Tim Robbins Those guys? groups. Yeah, and so there was a bunch of us. I came to L.A. to do a play, you know, in the uh, at the LA, Actors Gang, L.A.T.C. the Los Angeles Theater Center, which was eighty. Uh, five, yeah, and it was just—it's this multi-theater complex that's downtown, and uh, it's, it's not because now they got the Mark Taper uh, down there, right? Yeah, and there's several theaters there. I 
there's the Mark Taper Theater, and then there's the Red Cat Theater, which I did a, a special in. The, it's like the black box one. Oh, that's a great theater. It is, man. Really? Yeah, yeah. The sound is great. It sounds great. perfect. Very intimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Were you doing uh, a- uh, I recorded a stand-up special there. Uh, my last one uh, in 2000 and uh, whatever it was, 20, it came out. Oh, I shot it there. We were going to shoot it in like an older theater in Boston, but uh, the director, uh, Lynn Shelton, uh, could not uh, do a shot she wanted, so we just moved it over there. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, specific. It was, yeah, like, it was just like, well, it was that. like, yeah, well, some of those old theaters, they don't want to start pulling seats out so you can put a dolly in or a boom or whatever you need, so it was a hassle, so fuck it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. The, the Red Cat is- Do whatever you want. Yeah. So open that thing right up. It, but you know what the thing, though, is with comedy, though, that place- has a you know a, a sort of a, there's those kind of theaters have a, a kind of dramatic expectation you know when it's just that 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 intimate and that kind of uh, that that crisp yeah you know you're expecting intensity you're not expecting to laugh you're expecting to listen I think that's really yeah true I think yeah it's also a broad stage yeah but I guess with comedy you can keep in the scent we, we were know, shooting it so you, we built around it oh you know that's what I mean? right yeah, so just it build a have set. To be really yeah and cre- you know you create something on there yeah so you came out for theater like well what the so 85 how were how old were you in 85 that's how in we, my 30s so, oh really yeah so 32 or something I um, kind of a late starter Late starter. To well, the movie I had, business? I had a lot of other adventures. I guess if you think of the movie business as the only thing that you're going to get to, but I that for so long I had no thought that I was going to get to any movie business. You and know? you grew up where? Western New York State. Oh, and, uh, like what? Like near, near Springfield? Rochester. Oh, Rochester. Springfield. Springfield, Mass. Mass. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to school near Springfield, Mass. I went to UMass at Amherst for graduate. Oh, man, that's a nice little kind of a a cozy liberal arts college. (laughs) Or no, Amherst University. UMass Amherst is big. But then there's Amherst University, which is sort of a little kind of a hippie school. And then there's an actual hippie school out there. Which one was that? Reed? No, Reed's in Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you're running around the little tri-college area? Five college. I was five. Oh my God! You're yeah. Good time. You, did you spend time up there? I was in it? Boston. Oh, like I started. I went to Boston University, but I also went back and started my comedy career in Boston, driving around everywhere. So I do gigs places, but I've been out to Amherst. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You don't have much of a Boston accent. I didn't anymore. grow up there. I just uh, went to college there. Uh, my family's Jersey people. Oh, there it is. And I grew yeah. up in New Mexico, so it's all uh, over the place. Oh, but there's some Jersey in there. Yeah. Well, what do you got? <laughs> I, you know, I I think this Midwestern thing of Western New York State has popped up. It's uh, people say when I, my wife, particularly when I get close to being back in my turf, you know, yeah. I start. Well, Larry Kessler, when we did Accidental Terrorist, we were doing looping, and he said, "Do you know what you said?" Yeah, and I said, "What do you mean?" I had a line about it hurt, you know, yeah, I'm looking yeah. in his refrigerator, and yeah. I say, uh, "All you got is um, some cokes and some cans of penis." Yeah. You know, that Midwestern thing where you drop the consonants at the end of words, and he said, we're going to have to loop that. It's not good for the story. It's, uh, yeah, it's peanuts. Yeah, peanuts, not, <laughs> not peanuts. peanuts. Penis. That's right, you had to work with Hurt in, in, in sort of the peak of his thing. Yeah. The, the yeah. intensity of Hurt. The intensity of Hurt. The hurt of Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but wait, so Rochester, like the, I'm trying to remember, I've been to Rochester. That's the land of the garbage plate. Macaroni and cheese and potato salad. And, you ever heard of that? Yeah. The it's garbage place? Kind of a version of the poutine. You know, like the uh, Canadian thing is a garbage plate. But. Kind of, but that's like gravy at least and fries. Yeah. I, yeah, I've worked oh, in Rochester. Right. It's, there's like uh, Rochester, Albany, Troy. Uh, they're sort of like these weird kind of uh, cities scrambling back, uh, yeah. trying to. Yeah, I was. We we're you know like an hour and a half south of there, so oh. it's a really rural part of uh, New York State. It's uh, Steuben County, which is it's Hornell is the town that I grew up in, and it's in Steuben County, and I think it's the highest deer take really in New York State. So it's wild out there. Really, yeah, a lot of Lyme's disease. Yeah, it's starting to be more and more as it gets yeah. comes up from the south. And what? Why, why was your? Uh, so it's weird. People don't realize in upstate New York that it's like literally Appalachia. So there's like a, definitely a hill people contingent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have a Vista volunteer in our town. You yeah, know, that would help to what civilize things. Oh, really? What is a Vista volunteer? That was like the domestic Peace Corps oh. that existed oh, really? in the 60s, and I think it ended in the 70s. What was going on in upstate New York that uh, required them to hang out? Well, you know, it's just that in rural parts, and it's still true, you know, there's no economic engine that's right. happening. So sure. People are living um, off the grid. Off the grid. And my father was from Brooklyn, and he went to University of Rochester Med School, and when he finished his residency yeah. he wanted to be close to school he drove south till he hit hills and yeah so and that's know, where he dug in that's where he dug in yeah what kind of doc was he he was a general practitioner with a he had an internal medicine specialty oh so he was like uh just a, 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 a blood and guts blood and guts but like uh could do anything internist yeah it was the internist internist right yeah. so he was like a, a town doctor yeah yeah uh-huh. he took care of a a lot of the people that had diabetes, uh-huh. uh, diabetes is, is an affliction that a lot of people have in sure. that area. And yeah. he would be the one to initiate them into you know, how to how to eat, give themselves insulin. Oh, yeah, right. Not. How about uh, house calls? Did you do house calls? Did you have the big black bag? Yep. Oh, we yeah. did have the big black bag that stood outside our kitchen door. Yeah. And it was the one thing that we didn't have access to. That's you know? right. Had the little lock on it. Now, just you know, don't the code. The, oh, the, the code. code. You know, of our of our family. I guess was yeah. don't, you know, don't get. Oh, in don't there. go in there because there's syringes and medicines and all that. Yeah, my dad was a doc. He was an orthopedic, and he had a. Ah. But he had one of those black bags from, I guess, from medical school. I don't know that he made many house calls. Maybe when he was doing his residency, but you know, house calls are really were a thing of the past. But they yeah. did them. You know, those guys. Did who, you ever go on one with them? No, but I went to the hospital. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I mean, I used to go on rounds with him and stuff. I, you know, I got taught a lesson about motorcycles when he introduced me to one of his patients. You know, in traction, he said, uh, "You know, you sure you want to ride a motorcycle? Let me introduce you to somebody." Oh, this guy had pins in his both his legs. I'm like, "All right, I get it. I get it's, it." Uh, my yeah. my brother's a doctor, and he says to my son, who has a th- yeah. th- he says, "Oh, you got yourself a donor cycle?" Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> It's nothing like the hard truth from the medical community. A, a donor cycle. What kind of doc's your brother? He's a, he also has a general practice, but he's an infectious disease doctor oh. in Butte, Montana. Oh, so busy year. Yeah, busy year. A, a lot of you know trying to sort things out. He keeps a low profile in uh-huh. it all, but uh, keeps you know it's been a quite interesting. In uh, Mon- we're in Montana. In Montana, yeah. Well, what's that? What's the vaccine rate in uh, Montana? There's a lot of pushback. 
there's yeah, Montana's been a little, tough. A little bit uh, of a slide in that department. You know, yeah, yeah. It's gone to uh, some. Uh, there's some very vocal sure, you know, uh, sure. people yeah. that are yeah. Re- yeah. Res- resisting it, and they're getting more attention than they should. But yeah, but do you now? How do you end up in like what? So you're in upstate New York. And what, how do you decide that this is the you know the the life for you? I mean, what, how, what was the evolution of uh, what's the Pullman evolution from to, to get to acting. being on Raymond Street here? Yeah, all the way Randall. over here. Yeah, yeah that's right. I um, at a certain point I realized that uh, I was finding the theater thing was a, a assistance. You know, it's kind of like my own health. I think probably yeah. like comedy for you once yeah. you find your voice in right. something. Sure. You know, you've just got to have it no matter yeah. how you get it or whatever version. Yeah, you no have. matter how hard it is and horrible. Yeah, you got to <laughs> you, you have, have a it. calling. Yeah. <laughs> so you did theater when you were younger? No, I was. You know dialing up a lot of different possibilities for myself you know when i was 17 how long did you think you were going to be a doctor for you know that's the one thing i never never really did i i most of my family is in some kind of version of medicine yeah uh, but i just never never did have that uh inclination i i think i think about what they the culture that yeah. they have, yeah. you know, of being kind of humanists and sure. being uh, generous and yeah. going, and I tried to, uh, you know, various times model, be a, you know, follow that model. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of being an actual practitioner, no. But uh, I was in building construction. I was in a two-year college for building construction. And really? I went with some- To be a contractor? I wanted to, you know, build uh, old houses and barns and restore things at certain point. You know, uh-huh. this was, but I was dialing up careers at this point. I, you know, I'll, then a month later, I wanted to go to urban planning, and you know, wow, I had a lot of different things. But I got into a play, very charismatic guy, Bill Campbell, who was the. Um, uh, drama director there, and he was just about five Which years school? older than me. Uh, SUNY Delhi. Oh, yeah. I, which feel, is, I feel like I've heard that name before, Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell. Was he the guy in the drama department? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. He went on with uh, to stay in there, but he, he was very, very... Um, you know, at a certain point, you need somebody to just say, "Look, you, you should do this." And sure, you got. Yeah, somebody's got to be like, oh, "That's what you know." Has to turn your lights on in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that was the guy. And I was willing to go wherever somebody pointed that says, "Look, you could actually, you know, do pretty well." And so you gave up the uh, urban planning dream. <laughs> you gave up the, you gave up the reconstructing the barn dream. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And then got uh, you know. He, uh, but then, you know, that looked like, he, well, basically, he said, you know, Pullman, you should do what I did. I went to a college 22 miles away from Delhi called yeah. Oneonta, yeah. get a degree in theater, and then get some kind of graduate degree, and then come back and teach at a place like Delhi. It's good life. You'll do well here. Huh. And I went to Oneonta, and then I was in graduate school when he called me. He said, Pullman, come and take my job. And Campbell. Got, yeah, Campbell yeah. said, take, take my job for a year because I need somebody I can trust and it's not going to fuck me over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, I want it back. I want it back some point, <laughs> and I did. I went there, did it, and then, it, you know, I said, I, then he came, he, and then he came back and he took it and uh, he's been, you know, they've been a great friend all my life. He still remains one of the most interesting you know, really, that's great. That, uh, yeah. You know, so you taught. 
I was thinking, well, I'll. It, it was a, a student activities position, so I yeah. just directed the plays and oh, built oh, the okay. sets. Okay, okay. So that what, you weren't like a, a professor. It was like the uh, it was the non drama school drama people. At that point, I did get into yeah. the. You know, I did get to go to graduate school, and then I was thinking I'll go to New York at some point. But I was in Montana. And Montana. Wait, what? Where's? How'd you get I there? I jumped there because I was wanting. Uh, what is it? Oh, uh, my graduate advisor at UMass at Amherst. I said I'm not going to do any theater this summer. I'm just going to go west. And yeah. Do and well. Why don't you go west and do a play i met a guy who runs a theater in montana tours all around montana yeah so it's called montana shakespeare in the park so i the guy that runs that took me in and i doing shakespeare in montana shakespeare in montana yeah touring around to towns that are too small to have a hotel and you're staying in people's homes and, really yeah do they come see the shows they came to see the shows ranchers shakespeare. and yeah that's as an old tradition in the West, you know, of sure. love of Shakespeare, you always it? see it in some Westerns. And yeah, yeah, I guess and, that's true. I guess that's true, yeah. And you read like um, Roughing It, you know, that Mark Twain book about his experiences uh-huh. in the West. There's a great sequence in there of uh, him encountering a Shakespearean company. The, uh, right, bar. right. I think I, 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 I don't know if I read that book, but they're kind of ruffians, right? They're kind of like the... Uh, the Shakespeare guys are kind of like uh, unique, yeah. Somehow, yeah, 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 yeah. But greatly revered, you know. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They could travel through with a book of Shakespeare, and a lot of cowboys would carry, you know. Really, that makes some like, Shakespearean plays in those days. You I, know? you know, I can't wrap my brain around it. Usually, it's a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's a mix. Do yeah. you like doing Shakespeare? You know, I've had good certain kinds of engagement with it i don't think i'm like really the best person for most shakespearean productions and i find it uh, one of the hardest things in the (laughs) states to pull off yeah and i but i i've had a few encounters with him yeah so how do you get from montana to uh you know hollywood Uh, i mean like it sounds like that wasn't the i don't know what what did you think your plan was just a wild west shakespeare guy well i at a certain point i realized i i just kind of took the job in front of me it was teaching and yeah. i thought you know wouldn't it be good to make a, li- a living with some of the, for a little while put some money in the bank before i go to new york and so yeah. i taught for two years yeah learned a lot you know when you teach when you first are out there i was really uh, doing some things where I was trying to develop uh, plays that were Montana specific and not writing them or 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 or, cura- or, or uh, programming version of documentary theater or devised okay. theater, you yeah. know, where we were using resources that were from Montana history, just so that people weren't doing you know, Neil Simon plays, Plaza Suite, you know, sure, when sure. I get there. That's what yeah. was all that was on their minds and. Yeah. So we we did the guy John Dahl, you know, the yep. direct film director. He was a student of mine in Montana. The guy who directed the Last Seduction. Yes, yes. And uh, but uh, he put you in that. He did. You know, we kind of. He was. I knew him in Montana, and then I'm. Then eventually, I I left there to go to New York and start in theater, and I thought that's going to be the thing. Yeah. It's in New York theater, and then I. Uh, got a play out here in L.A. at the Los Angeles Theater Center and came out to do the play. And then I realized, hmm, maybe I will take that. Uh, oh, you can get a job on a TV show for a day and you make some money there. I'll do that. And I was on Cagney and Lacey. Well, so you had an agent? At that point, yeah. I had a pretty good agent, yeah. So in Montana, like, so you 
when you when you when you started putting up shows like you didn't want to do Neil Simon in Montana. You wanted to do something more that they could relate to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what did you know? Was, was there any proximity? Wasn't there some great writers up in Wasn't Jim Harrison a Montana guy? Yes. Did you ever have no, an encounter with him? No. You. I did a, a movie that he wrote with Tom McGuane, who's another great Montana right. writer. Yeah, writer. yeah, McGuane's great. Nobody's Angel and uh, 92 in the Shade. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, he's having a great renaissance with his short stories. McGuane is? McGuane, yeah. Yeah, my buddy's a novelist, and he he he, uh, he corresponds with him sometimes. Oh, yeah. But did you you knew those guys? Yeah, knew those guys. They We did a movie that Jim Harrison and uh, Tom McGuane wrote it in 11 days. Which movie? It's called Cold Feet, huh. and it's with uh, Tom Waits and uh, Sally Kellerman and Keith Carradine. And I know Sally. Do you? Yeah, yeah, she played my mother in my show on IFC. I, I wonder how she is. I, I, you know, it was just, and that was a couple, a few years ago. But yeah, I saw. I don't remember seeing that movie, but it was interesting because that was like. I don't think people realize that you know Waits was he had you know foraying into acting that early on, mm, you know because yeah. he's become sort of a character, you know like when you see him in the movie you're kind of like nah, it's Waits, but like back then it was a little goofy, right? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely uh, really a great energy, yeah. you know something I had uh, really very different than an actor's energy, sure, you know, more like just raw his character, uh, character act, yeah, yeah. And, so he's, in the, he's in uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's I know. new movie. I know. I'm going to a screening of it next week, I hope. Yeah. I was gonna, did you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. But. No, I always like seeing Waits. He's good in that, uh, Cohen, in that Cohen Brothers thing that with the five stories, the, the Scruggs, Buster Scruggs, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yes. His vignette, his piece, his story, Waits' was great. Yeah, The, the Prospector. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. No talking. Yeah, yeah. There's just very little of it to himself. You know? <laughs> to himself. Yeah, he's always good, man. He's good in Rumblefish. You know, how many summers I got left? <laughs> right. I, uh, yeah. So, but the, Jim Harrison, though, we, uh, what'd you think of that guy? Yeah, very, very uh, live wire cook. You know, he they were Livingston crowd, which is on the, uh, just out on the east side of Mon, uh, Bozeman, east uh-huh. of Bozeman, and there was an enclave of, you know, interesting people there. And uh, he, he definitely, you know, dolly, great books, you know, yeah, yeah, really, sure. Sure, really yeah. great. And uh, he he was, you know, dedicated to Montana for quite a long time. But, yeah. And... Uh, and so that that experience was, uh, you know, they were. Uh, there's a bunch of writers in Montana yeah, now yeah, that yeah, I yeah. think are really yeah. doing interesting things. Yeah, McWayne, uh, he's uh, great, man. Uh, he he has one of my favorite quotes. I paraphrase it all the time. Uh, he said, uh, "The mind is not a boomerang. If you throw it too far, it will not come back." <laughs> <laughs> that one's helped me through life. <laughs> That's it. You've been tempted to give it a heave, huh? Well, yeah, sometimes you don't know you're throwing it so far. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Until you go looking for it. And you're yeah. like, oh, fuck. Right. So it must, it must be in these bushes somewhere. Right. Where's the steering wheel yeah, on this thing? Yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so, so how do you get out of there? You're like, you, okay, so you come down here for the play, and then you do... Cagney and Lacey. Well, just a little bit of, uh, I got cast in uh, Ruthless People, really, was the thing in L.A. that uh, I went to L.A. in 85 to sure. do uh, the play and then did got cast to do, you know, all, right by 86, I was already 
you know, I'd gotten, uh, did the Ruthless People thing and then was in Spaceballs. You know, we shot oh, right. that in 86. Right. So, so that would have been after yeah. the Cagney and Lacey experience. I thought so. Yeah. But, uh, and you're doing theater in New York. So that was, so you really were kind of like, you thought that, uh, I mean, but did you always know you were going to act? Because it does sound like in Montana that like the acting, it wasn't acting. Was it acting? Uh, no, it wasn't really. And I think I just kind of drifted away from it because I was doing the teaching thing. And then I had always acted all through yeah. these university academic theater things. And then uh, just realized that I, there was, I, I hadn't given myself permission to, to do that, you know. And so uh, to really just say, I'm now going to pursue some acting. Were so. you afraid? Uh, you know, I think I just was trying to, you know, eat the hot dog in front of me, and that sure. was the it was go with the flow. teaching. And, yeah, yeah, and was, right. You know, I did that. And it was good enough. It was like playing a part. Yeah, you know, <laughs> who can yeah. be? Yeah, can you be twenty five years old and be a professor? I don't think I don't so. Know. Yeah, know? I mean, you got to start somewhere. You got to believe it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's half of it. And I, oh, I, so you were that young? Yeah, yeah, it's twenty four. So when do you? What year was it when you're like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna act. I think, uh, well, it was after teaching for two years, and I realized I can't. It was nice. It was Montana State University, beautiful campus, and people were dying to teach there. They'd take docs and salary to teach there, and I was lucky to have a job there, but I uh, also thought if I don't leave now, I'm never going to get out of here. You know who I huh. also was, had met during that period was um, yeah, Robert Persig, you know, who wrote Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, really? And if you, that book, you know, he makes the journey to um, outside of Bozeman, Cottonwood Canyon. Yeah. Stays with this family, the, the Deweeses, and climbs the mountain and yeah. that whole epiphany. And I was friends with that artist couple that uh, that had the oh, house really? in Cottonwood Canyon. And and I thought, I, you know, they had offered, why don't you live out here? This, You know, we have an apartment out here. And I just thought, I, be, I really loved them a lot, and I thought that would be really, a, it's a beautiful spot, and um, I could see myself more and more putting in roots here, and yeah. I better not, you know, I better go. <laughs> you didn't want, want to be part of the the uh, the sort of uh, hippie intelligentsia of, uh, of uh, <laughs> Bozeman, Montana? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, it was tempting. Was Brodigan up there, too? Richard Brodigan was there, yeah. He used to come to the Shakespeare plays. We'd see him in Livingston. He was a Livingston guy. No shit. And I'd see him out at the edge of the audience standing there, you know, coming to see this outdoor yeah. production. Judging and, it. Yeah. Judging yeah. it. <laughs> wow, man. So you're like that. So you're that. You're young. You're in your 20s and you're just seeing all this like weird uh, hippie royalty. Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, very. That generation of writers that came, those are like all important guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really. uh, Harrison. McGuane, mm -hmm. Brodigan, mm -hmm. the motorcycle maintenance guy. Robert I mean, those, are, those yeah. are big books. Yeah, really. Um, and they were, you know, ranging around, and Montana felt like, you know, kind of like a little bit of a uh, stopping spot in the, away from it. Oh, you could have just, you could be that guy. You could still be teaching. Yeah, could have done that. For your yes. whole life, you'd still be could, there. Could be in urban planning, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But you didn't. You committed to acting, and you went back to New York, and that's that what happened. Well, yeah, went to, to uh, and then out here it just started in with you know I I did think I was always going to be an East Coast person, but I've come to really like L.A. You know. And, uh, yeah, most people do eventually. You know, it's weird. Yeah, initially you're like, I'm not gonna. I know what those people are like, but then you get out here for a while and you're like, nice here. You know, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. 
You know, this but do you ever miss like the deciduous woods or anything? Well, like I that? mean, I grew up in New Mexico, so I do miss it a bit. Uh, that there's something about home that the environment, even the air, where you go back, it's 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 like it's like a it's part of your your child. It's part of your life. So like you know to reconnect with it. I mean, I don't need to do it for long. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I could go like you know. Yeah, this is part of me for a few days, and yeah. then come back. Yeah, yeah. That's what part of New Mexico? Albuquerque. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. A, well, I mean, it's weird. People who act, who have this impression of Albuquerque, you know, in the last decade, mm. you know, like it's very different because it's gone through some. It's kind of a beat up place. But when I was growing up, you know, it was just the town I grew up in, and there was a university, and everything happened for me there, and it was beautiful, and you'd drive up into Santa Fe and all this shit. But people generally that I talk to now who act are like, you know, oh, I was there for a month. It was terrible. You know, like, they just oh, have these weird feelings about it. I, I always thought it was really haunting, because you yeah. could, you know, Route 66 goes sure. through there, and yeah. there's still vestiges of those kind of old periods of Oh, yeah, for sure. And I treasure that. Oh, know? yeah. Have you yep. shot there? Shot there a bunch, and um, definitely have young, you know, people that I know that are living there now and oh, making really? an interesting life. You know, the young, certain young people in their thirties are moving there and doing what in the business. Uh, you know, they're doing a lot of different things. One, it's a young uh, a woman and her husband. Uh, she's a therapist, an equine therapist, and equine you know, therapist. Just, sure, it's a, a horse therapist. Horse therapist. Huh. But, all that renovation is happening around the old town, which I sure. I could walk there. Some staying in a hotel near, kind of near there, and talk about you know sketchy, dodgy turf. But it, I guess, it felt like really interesting to me. I'm glad that you have a nice impression of Albuquerque. I I've thought about going back there, but I don't know what I do there. Oh yeah, you can't. I mean, they have garages there. And sure, but it, like, but I, you're not there. No, it's gonna be hard to pull the guests. You know, I got to wait till someone's shooting a Netflix show, or you know, out there. You know, how many how many people on Better Call Saul can I interview? <laughs> well, my son was just there. Young son is an actor. Oh now. yeah, he was there January through July, and they were shooting a TV series called The Outer Range. And yeah. uh, they, you know, always the question is how much? What are you going to base yourself? In Albuquerque, yeah. or in Santa Fe, or right. in Las Vegas, you know where there all those westerns are sets and things are up there. And Las Vegas, New Mexico, New Mexico, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that's a schlep. You know, it depends where. You know, like Santa Fe is great. I thought, you know, I sort, I feel like I missed a boat on like buying a house to rent. You know, because like the like all the show business is moving there. I mean, yeah. you know, Netflix set up shop there as a permanent production uh, facility thing. They got huge sound stages, right? Yeah. So I got well, me like an idiot. Like I should have bought a house a decade ago and just like rented it. Yeah. But yeah. no, now you can't find one. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's one for sale up behind the mountain though. Like I like there's part of me that's sort of like why don't you just like there's like 44 acres for sale. Oh, up yeah. uh, up between Santa Fe and like Madrid, the ghost town up oh, beyond right. Old Fourteen and Cerritos. I love that. Madrid. Yeah, but like I mean, I mean, then I think about it, it's like, well, if I really want to go, I'll just go Airbnb or something. What do I need to? How often am I going to go out there if I'm not shooting? Yeah. You're just going to go sit in the mountains for what? How long do you need to own the house to do that? I don't know. Do you have another house somewhere? Well, yeah, in Montana, you know. How so. often do you go? Well, it's different periods. I have had this ranch with my brother for thirty years. Oh, so we're so he's up there all the time. Yeah, he's the doctor. Oh, that's right. So he lives up there. Yeah, and they live on the ranch. Uh, They live on the ranch. Is it a working ranch? Yeah, it's a working ranch. His wife really is the rancher of all of us. What is it? What What are you ranching? 
cows? The cows, they have Angus cows. Oh, meat cows. Yeah. Huh. So we have pastures up in the mountains, and the cows get driven up there in the summer. And Is it like high-end meat? Uh, it's, you know, I think I've stepped back about six, seven years ago. Oh, yeah? And, uh, now I'm just in charge of my keeping fences up and irrigation up and up things there. like that. Up there, And the yeah. persimmon tree and back here. Back here, yeah. Yeah. I have my egg. Me <laughs> <laughs> too, Mark. Don't you have a fruit tree on this place? There's a lime tree right there, and it's just like, the, it's too much pressure. Well, that counts. I mean, just- uh, Yeah, but I just it's just there, and then you're sort of like, what am I going to do with all these limes? <laughs> I got. I don't drink. I can't make margaritas. How much ceviche can I make? What am I going? I can't. How many you know lime sodas can I make? You know, it just it gets a little bit. But then you start to realize, like, look, man, it's not. They're not animals. You just throw them away. Put them in the compost. Right. Yeah. It's just fruit. Right. It's fruit. You're free enough to eat all the fucking limes. It's, but in L.A., I mean, everybody has fruit trees. And, yeah, sure. They're know. around. Yeah. Lemon trees. You just see lemons falling on the ground everywhere. Yeah. But I still buy fucking lemons. Ah, I'm an oh idiot because I'm like you know I don't have a lemon tree, but I could drive around a bit and go pull some off a tree somewhere. But yeah, I don't do it. Let's see how yeah. many. What other trees do you have? Well, you know, I was always impressed by how many trees aren't being picked. And yeah, so 11 years ago we started a thing called Hollywood Orchard, which was gleaning fruit from trees that are not being picked, and then having a volunteer uh, pop up kitchens. And we do we so you're half the time. Yeah, you know, get volunteers there that show up, and yeah. then go. And half of them go pick, and the other half goes in a little cul-de-sac we have, and we have yeah. pop-up kitchens, have chefs advise, and. Uh, well, how much can you, like how what what are you getting? Like you're getting lemons, limes, avocados, yeah, persimmons. You know, it in a way it oranges. was an exercise in community more yeah. than, oh, right, than sure. really. There's other so organizations. Like all citrus-based dishes? <laughs> there's, there's another organization started at the same time called Food Forward that yeah. does that in a huge way. Yeah. You know, they're gleaning trees from all over L.A. and bringing the food to people that need it. That's know? good. So, but yeah. you're not making preserves? Uh, I would, oh, that's a big part of my life. Yeah, I like being in the kitchen. It's Me too. Doing that I love kind cooking. Of thing. Yeah. So you, a big part of your life is making? Putting up fruit. Yeah. You know, so that I can have it, it later. Yeah. We had mangoes. I see. I've been. I was in uh, Nova Scotia for five months. So doing. And so I just came back. Really. And uh, what were we doing up there? We shot the fourth season of the Center there. In, That's oh, Nova Scotia. In Nova Scotia. Yeah. Did you didn't even know that was going to be a series? Did you? No. No. I didn't realize. It's like the the surprise career boost. Yeah. I guess you know. I I was even you know I I never really thought of myself as like a the detective guy. Well, maybe I, I played a de- detective. I realized more than I thought I had. You know, Cagney and Lacey was a detective show. It all know. comes around, Bill. It, it all comes all around. Comes around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think of uh, like a, a Zero Effect was this movie. Sure, maybe yeah, yeah. Stiller. Stiller, and that was a detective. You know, sure. so I realized. Oh, and. Uh, noir and everything yeah. is you know policiers, yeah. as they yeah. say in France. Do you, do you like doing it? I think that's an interesting turf, you know, because there's always this sense of what betrayal is, you know, uh, yeah. and what lying is, and you know that. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's been a you know doing the center. I think has been a level of both. You know, have to provide a lot of story to yeah. keep the thing going you know right. and all that but inside that is an is a kind of deeper com- 
commitment to psychology, what's going on in people. Why did they do what they did? You know, and I think that uh, it made me made it like I I really like doing it. Yeah, because I, I never thought I would say I really like doing a show that came back year after year i thought i would not i'd wither on the vine you know I'd sure throw my mind and it wouldn't boom boom we'll right be, back we'll you know back. just It'll like just sit there on the set yeah yeah without you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just going through the motions being yeah. one of those those guys but it doesn't seem like there's any real shame anymore in in doing the work like that well, I you know I think there's so much more interesting work I guess sure. so. There, yeah, everything's you know, kind of evolved. Yeah, yeah. But I like that idea though. Like the like the, the thing that makes it interesting is how complex how complicated people are. Yeah, because as an actor, I mean, you've got to you've got to put some meat on the bone for yourself. So you got the character. So like, how does that guy, you know, remain compelled? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the writers have to keep churning out these things that make you, as your character, go like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the the premise always is 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 built into the you know why done it. Yeah. So you see some crime has been committed yeah. usually, yeah. and or something is a violent act has happened, and then uh, you're trying to peel back the onion. And so you know that in itself, Derek Simons is this uh, the creator of it, and very interesting guy, Jungian. You know, yeah. So he's his mind always needs those kind of anchors too huh. to about. Well, what philosophically is going on now that we want to include and weave into the story? I talked to another guy yesterday about Jungian. Jungian's come up twice in two days. Oh, yeah? What, was it talking about dreams? Did yeah. He... I was talking to Benedict Cumberbatch yesterday. Uh-huh. And what did he say? And about? he was talking about the power of the dog, that Jane Campion movie. Mm. And she had him uh, go to a dream analysis, yeah. a Jungian dream analysis to, yeah. to, to, to do some preparation for his part did he say he got he was a lot cool. out of it well you know he, he he said that campion told him some of her dreams and they were very amazing and explosive and exciting and his were more just panic driven <laughs> sort of like you know simple things but he found it interesting yeah you so we did that you did yeah because uh derek actually derek simons is a showrunner he's uh He's trained as a facilitator in dream analysis. Jungian dream analysis. Jungian th dream analysis. So you did it. Not with him. He wanted to do it, particularly in, uh, last season, yeah. was uh, involving uh, huh. quite a bit of that. So I did it for the first time. He had done it with um, Jessica Bill yeah. in the first season. Yeah. And I was uh, like, and nah, I'm kind of busy. I, yeah, I yeah. do my own prep in yeah. my own way. I didn't really know what it was. And he was not, you know, forced. Get out of my head, man. Right. I got this. <laughs> right. Don't afraid, probably. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, and I think at a certain point, some a lot of people think they aren't dreaming anymore. You know, yeah. especially as you get older. You know, yeah, you, think, you do. Yeah, they're there. Maybe you don't remember them or anything. But I thought I had stopped dreaming, and that's a very good facilitator that Derek set us up with. Did, so you did it. Yeah, we did it. And what yeah. you did? Would it freak you out, or was it interesting, yeah, or did really, you? Um, was it re revelatory? Revel. Yeah, mm. was something, and you know, because we were also I, I had the thought that it might integrate into what the season was and yeah. what my character was. Yeah. That there were uh, right away because uh, I said to her, you know, the first we did a three day workshop. Yeah, the first day, you know, you do these exercises, and then she said, 
you know, we'll see what yeah. you'll know, come in tomorrow with a dream. And I yeah. said, I don't think so. You know, yeah. I can't just dial it up like yeah. that. It's not going to happen. She said, well, just before you go to bed, think, you know, I'd like to remember this yeah. dream. And bang, you know. You did? Yeah. Bit, wow. Really. And that dream ended up fueling the whole arc of that season come on yeah the one you just shot no it's the third okay season, all right that one yeah and it was uh, so just for you but not in the story but in terms of your character i um, mean you used it in your prep somehow yeah i had never gone to the location that was my character's house for that season which ended up being an old stone uh house in upstate new york yeah and I, but I'd seen location shots, and I'd forgotten that I'd even seen it. Yeah. But in all of a sudden, there I was in my dream. I was in this house, huh. and I encountered right away Richard Gere. Uh huh. And I never dream about celebrities or. You did a couple people. movies with him. Yeah. I, so I I know him, but I haven't run into him recently. There was nothing yeah. that was That's saying. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Why Richard Gere? Yeah. And then a five year old girl came out of a room with a tiara on her head. Uh huh. She came and grabbed my hand we walked down a long hot hallway yeah. and at the other end was a door to and in the back was a pond and uh -huh. she was kind of mirthful and saying come on into the pond yeah and i'm we were both immersed in the pond yeah. there were ducks out the other and then these ducks started to come towards us yeah. as if they wanted to communicate with us uh -huh. and then they flew off yeah and that was the end of the dream Ugh. and but the analysis of that is what you know that sounds like a random thing and yeah know, like but, a dream yeah but when you're doing these facilitated workshops right all of a sudden you're you start with like what could that mean uh-huh you know, what uh -huh. are you seeing when you see uh -huh. richard gear what are you seeing and does he want to be paid for appearing in the that's <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> well and then the second you know part, or another part of it is what does richard gear see when he's seeing you yeah and what does the little girl well, what'd see? you come up with well, you, it's a whole set of it's a cosmology you start to create around it and around your past of, it, around my past around the how I'm fused with the aspects of the character yeah. you know and uh, that sense of you know what it is to be spontaneous huh. and was kind of at the core of it was this investigation about you know being available to thinking about you know, just living in the moment more with this five-year-old girl with the tiara, you know, releasing yeah. that aspect of me that's in, because basically all these elements are you. Right. You know, Richard right. Gere is me. Right. You know, a version I, of me. I, I hear that, you know, and I've heard that before about dreams, that they're all you, but I don't, I can't quite figure it. Well, you know, it's maybe it's a metaphor. You know, I've also heard that about plays that you know every character in the play is a big you know aspect of the of the writer. I guess so, but I don't understand why that's helpful. Because to me, like, if I was just in, I don't know you, but like, you know, you worked with Gear twice. He was a big movie star. You were a supporting actor. You know, there there has to be whether it's you or not. You know that that to me is a portal into whatever that dynamic was at that time in your life, mm. right? You know, whether you know you were. Yeah, how, I, you know, he has his uh, spiritual side. Uh, yeah, and right. I, He's a Buddhist guy, right? Buddhist guy. Yeah. And I think that oh, was right. maybe- and you knew that. I had known that. Yeah. I had followed that yeah. you know, a little bit. And uh, so I think there was some aspect of uh, that was oh, more- There's a lot of ways you can go. Yeah. A lot of reasons why there huh. is in your dream. Yeah. And then you work with guys like, you know, you work with David Lynch, what, twice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that guy's like, you know, he's making dreams. Like, he builds from dreams. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I saw, what was it? It was, were you in Mahal, uh, Lost, Lost Highway. Highway. Lost yeah. Highway. Saxophone guy. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Didn't you have a saxophone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Robert Blake showed up with just his face a few times. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Saying, I didn't kill her. I didn't kill her. No, I'm kidding. Right. That's, that's what he says uh, in real life. But um, how'd you get that relationship with Lynch? Well, he, you know, I had known his daughter Jennifer a little bit. Uh, there was a... Um, there was a movie called Boxing Helena that, yeah. that ended up being made. But for a couple of iterations before it got made, I was Jennifer wanted to cast me and Madonna in huh. it. And uh, I got to know Jennifer during that period. Yeah. And the money didn't come through right at that point. And yeah. then by the time it did, uh, I wasn't available. And they did it. But she was the one who said to David, uh, you know, check him out for Lost Highway. And so... When you now, when you do that, I mean, you weren't doing any Jungian work there. So, mm-hmm. so when you get a script for Lost Highway, is there part of you that's sort of like, the fuck is this? You know, I was the opposite. Oh. Everybody was saying you're you're going to read this, or agent, you know, say I don't know. I you read it, see what you make of it, and I think I understood it uh, pretty well. I, I I think maybe because I was used to reading strange plays and yeah. things like that. Oh yeah, right, right. And uh, I didn't need a lot of psychology right. that was obvious. Yeah, in yeah. Order to make it potent. I'm here. trying to remember it. Well, it really starts with a you know a musician in the in the basin of L.A. saxophone guy is living in a you know pretty good environment with a wife who's blonde. Yeah, Patricia Arquette. Right, and uh, she's you know got some things that maybe he's worried about and it's not going well. That there's there seems to be some trouble in their relationship, uh-huh. and then su- suddenly these videotapes start appearing. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and they realize that someone is videoing their own house while they're in the house. And wasn't Robert's Blake face in this, or am I making that up? Well, eventually he appears, yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he comes into uh, I meet, see him at a party, and that's this great scene where he, you know, he says, "I'm in your house right now," and I say, "No, hey, are you fucking crazy, man?" Yeah, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite Lynch yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> then he says, "I am. Call me." And I get my phone. I call and. He picks up the phone on the other end while he's watching me at the party, and oh, he yeah, starts absolutely. laughing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a dream. Yeah, really, it's like a fucking like a dream. Really like a dream. So you yeah. like you're you know you so but you're used to it. I mean, you seem like kind of a, a meat and potatoes kind of guy. But yeah, I mean, you're in you're dug in with the theater. You know what the trip is. You know that you know you know weirdness. Yeah, my, yeah, abstractions. Yeah, I guess yeah. abstractions. Yeah. maybe that have sometimes that's a easier thing to discern the truth and more realistic. Well, you've things. done Albie plays. Yeah, I mean that yeah. you know th- those are like you know that stuff like. That's that's some open ended shit. I mean, you don't know what the hell. I mean, yeah, yeah. multi multi leveled. But it's just tough to work with comics. You know, I think in terms of really understanding where they're coming from. Comics, know, comics, yeah. So you you know now there's so many people who are acting good actors. Yeah. that come from comedy. Yeah, and that is a different impulse than how I started. I guess so. I but you like early on, you were in the in the middle of all of them. I mean, you did Spaceballs. I mean, that's like. They're yeah. all there. You're yeah. surrounded by clowns. Yeah. and But how they go about their day when they're working on a set is so different than what I ever thought. Really? You know, like, how, like how? Well, it's, you know, it's so much in the moment. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So much given to, like, uh, and... And and having a slant, you know, on things, and yeah. having having a delivery, and having you know, thinking of the kind of uh, and very verbal, yeah. you know, really. Uh, what do you do on set? 
Uh, I, you know, I think I come at it in terms of like more like a circumstance that I'm thinking about, or mm. I have all this, you know, different kind of uh, sense of what I'm doing to the other person, you know, and uh, but I think that there's a lot of really interesting actives come about, you know, with all those Will Ferrell and, yeah. and Steve Carell yeah. and all that, you know, are really interesting. I worked with, uh, you know, did uh, Battle of the Sexes with Steve Carell. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, just watching that process uh, work, Adam McKay style, you know, which really comes born. I mean, that's some of the most, when you look at succession, that's really, really sophisticated, integrated work that feels, but the process of working with him, you know, is comes McKay? from. Yeah, I think that's the, he developed that with Will Farrow about, and that I did, I did a part in um, what became Vice. Yeah, and uh, it, and I he offered it, to Adam had offered it to me, and I said, yeah, I, I'm not going to do it. I, I it's going to, it's a small part that's probably going to be cut. And yeah. No, oh no, he wants to talk to you. So he, I talked to him. And he said, "No, come and do this." And uh, you know, uh, and he said, "I can't guarantee anything, you know, yeah. but you, I can tell you one thing: you're going to have a good time on the set." You know? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I went there and I had a good time on the set, and I was cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what do you? What? How does he work? That you say that's unique. Well, you Is know, it improvising. Yeah. Improvising? So you know, he. Um, I was playing um, Nelson Rockefeller, who does not. Uh, Appear in Vice, but was a part of in the middle chunk of it. You know when Cheney and Runfeld were doing their yeah. mischievousness. Yeah. You know, part of the first one of their first. Uh, right. You know trophy prizes was uh, they took out Nelson Rockefeller. He was going to be running for a president. Right. They wanted a more conservative person and they got uh, Bob Dole. Right. Then you know that went from there. But that journey of uh, Nelson's was, in, you know, kind of a critical little linchpin. Yeah. But with Adam, you know, you're you're in a spot and all, he's on a god mic, you know, so he's saying, now say this, now say this, uh -huh. now try this. Uh -huh. So you're in the modality of being in the scene, but you're hearing these uh, Interesting. ideas and pretty much lines, you know. That so it's very immediate? Very immediate, very discardable. You yeah. Know, you don't get hugely invested so yeah. that you can just throw up a lot of stuff and then choose from the best. That's know? interesting. So is, is that the only time you've, you've worked with a director on the God mic like that? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I did a I did a little part in, in Pete Berg's movie. You work with Pete Berg on yeah. The Last Addiction. I yeah. did the whatever the Spencer for Hire, whatever that movie was, I just did I did a little part in the Wahlberg thing he did. Oh. Spencer Confidential. Oh. And and he works like that. Isn't that interesting? Because he's an actor. Yeah, you know, yeah. Comes from acting. Yeah, yeah. And so a bit. There's... A bit. <laughs> but how did you feel acting and being kind of over... Everybody's hearing it. But like if you're in it, you know, and you're you're, you're okay with your character, I mean, like it, it that's part of... Your, it's almost like more fun to... To have that exchange and and make and make different choices. If mm. someone's like try it like this, you're like great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how committed are you? Like in general, as an actor, where you're like, no, nah, this is the way it's gonna be. Well, I you know, I mean, some of it is just how your brain gets interrupted. Yeah. You know, if you're used to not being a lot of that external thing. Yeah. And if you're in a play, you can't be allowing a lot of right. interferences. You're not waiting for somebody to tell you something. So you're kind of bred to not be really 
that flexible in the but well, in play, comedy right. I think like that it kind of makes sense but it plays different also but shooting TV or, or movies I mean you're just burning through takes you're going to be mm-hmm. on that camera at one angle or another at least two or three times yeah yeah. So it's, it, but plays it like that's that's real life I mean you're in it yeah there's no turning back but like yeah. you know when you're doing like you know 20 takes of two lines you can do a lot of variations. I guess you're you're looking for something authentic. Yes, there's a level of like not just you know you if you're in a zone and that's what I realized with McKay and yeah. watching everybody you know do where you you'll say okay I have to say this line I'm just going to do a series. Yeah, right. So you're stopping. Yeah, you're talking to a person. Yeah. who's off camera. Yeah, yeah, and you're just you know generating self motivating. Yeah. about five different versions yeah. of the line. So you're just saying yeah crazy to be here yeah it's really crazy right, yeah, yeah, right. and you're throwing out a lot of improv kind of moments that are you know yeah, that's yeah. very intoxicating yeah, yeah. you know so yeah. there is a side of it that I really really like a lot and you work with both Kasdan's Yes. Father and son. Father and son. I've worked with both uh, J- David Lynch and, and Jennifer, Jennifer Lynch. Lynch. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting when you see generations coming yeah. through, you know, feel that way. Well, you've worked with, did you work with uh, Burt Lancaster? Yes. I've worked Towards with the end? One of the last film. Yeah. Really? The Rocket Gibraltar. Was that yeah. amazing though? What's amazing experience? Yeah. yeah, just to be around him. I was very, you know, always aware of who he was, and sure. But by the time we're making uh, Rocket Gibraltar, you know, there's a people who younger generation yeah. who didn't know Burt Lancaster. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, just watching him move through the world of you know somewhat becoming. You know, he was a little bit. Uh, not recognized in public situations and things uh, at that point, you yeah, know? Yeah, uh, And uh, But still such a bearing and such generosity. You know, he had a real poise as a person, you know? Great actor. I mean, he was a huge movie star. Oh, yeah. A huge movie so star. So huge. And he's so good. Yeah. I, like, watched the first, his first couple of films recently, and it's just astounding, because he could yeah. do anything. Yeah, like any type of role. He's yeah. just one of those guys. Yeah, he could play heavy. He could play a lighty. Right. Play, you know, <laughs> right. Right. the swimmer. The swimmer is crazy movie. Crazy movie. It's such a sad, weird movie. Yeah, that guy's swimming home. Yeah, through the pools in his community. Really, it's just like a. It's and and then he gets to the house right, and it's empty, and his life is gone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's a achiever story. I think. I think he knew, you know, he treasured talking about what things he really liked. You know, he was part of some director's vision that he really admired. You know, it wasn't about him. Right. It was about being in, uh, you know, get, working with somebody who was, you know, creating this world that he got to be part of. So, In general or that movie? Uh, I think in general, yeah. you know, uh, went to went to a couple of dinners with him. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and he talked about it. Didn't huh? know him. And, yeah. But, uh, and I realized that, you know, and then he said, you know, I would, had my own production company, so I would do what was really popular with my own production company to make the money, you know, the pirate movies and things like that. And then that would allow him to work with other uh, directors that he really admired, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when you talk to actors, that's, I mean, the ones that understand that and appreciate that, that they are this sort of like, they are part of this storytelling process that is the director's vision. Yeah, it's kind of a it's that's the job in a way, right? Yeah, I just yeah. watched a big. I watched an old documentary about Kirk Douglas. That mm. guy was an animal. I mean, he did a million movies. Yeah, you really think about Kirk Douglas and like that intensity. Yeah, and they worked together a lot. I mean, Kirk and 
and uh, Bert. Yeah. You know, they were friends. Yeah. And Michael's in it. And it's just, it was so touching. You, you, you forget that these guys made 100 movies. Yeah. Really huge. Uh, You've made uh, a lot of movies. But, you know, that's the thing about television when you talk about, you know, do you do the the God Mike and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, there's a part of television that really is I'm not wired for, which is I'm used to a director. You right. know? Oh, yeah, I'm used yeah, to yeah, one yeah. vision. And the, on television, you know, directors can be subordinate. Right, right. Because they come and go, but the, the the show already has its look. That was laid down by the first director. Yeah. So they're honoring a, a template. Yeah. And yeah. it's sort of a, a by-the-numbers kind of thing a lot of times. It's really challenging. I have a lot of empathy for them on the set because you realize that... I always think of that Bertrand Russell thing there about critics, that yeah. they're eunuchs at the party. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, do you get fun? Does this fun right. come oh. in to do this? or And you have to be so ob- obedient to, to other To the producer, people. right? And, yeah. and But some people have a knack for it, you know, and I've come to really appreciate the ones that really can come in, see the limits of, you know, they know the where they go off the road. Yeah. And they stay on the road. Yeah. And they stay on the road and they're, they have their own investment in it, and they find their own territory that they can own. And, yeah, yeah. Some uh, some of them are clever like that. I mean, like in, in the sense that, like, if they're if they're not if they're not going in thinking like, eh, it's just another gig. Like, but if they're sort of like, how can I find a, a few little areas where I can do what I I am building for myself? You yeah. Know, like, but there's a lot of you know broken, washed up people who you know are just kind of going through the motions because, yeah. and then they've been carried along by the business you yeah. know, for years. It's a big machine television. Yeah. You know, my yeah. father used to say, you know, oh, they're, yeah, they're, you're going to, you know, you get on television, you're selling soap. Yeah. That was, That's you enough. know, right. he just, and it, you know, it's changed a lot from those days, but sure. still there's something corporate about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I and I guess with some movies there is too in the bigger budget movies, but but still like as an actor you're still able to kind of focus on your thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You do those like Bert, you know, do those, and then you yeah. get to do the more esoteric things. Yeah. That... So outside of the center, are you do? But you also work. Yeah, you like the, it's interesting that that space ball thing is because I don't think you know you can do comedy, but you don't do a ton of it, yeah. right? But you were like with Candy and you know oh. Moranis and all those guys. Yeah, like, right at the beginning of your career. I mean, was there a moment where you're like, yeah, I can't do any more comedy, or were you like, uh, or were you like, I'm gonna do comedy? Or... Yeah, I always, I think, you know, I, I think I like Lynch because there's some humor in there. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. just so much, and I love that mix. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got some kind of twinkle going on. Right, right, right. That. Yeah, yeah, but, and it's but, odd too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but Mel Brooks is different. Yeah, that uh, that was like working with a whole genius, you know, yeah, yeah, level of yeah, yeah, creativity. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I think of his power naps when he would come out of power nap with the ideas. Talk about dreaming! I don't know whatever he would do in those yeah. ten minute yeah. naps, but he'd come out of it loaded for bear. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's all, his brain's you know. on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a, it's like the the entire history of Jewish comedy yeah. flowing through him at all times. <laughs> the uh, you know, just in terms of words. I mean, talk about just all I could do was just do whatever he said. Yeah, know? but he would do line readings. You yeah. know, but 
uh, I just loved his line reading because you know that so he wasn't asking you to do it exactly like that. Right. You know, he would right. he would do a very Jewish version yeah, yeah, of yeah, it, yeah, you yeah. know. And the say, Mel Brooks version. The Mel Brooks. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think I'd get so distracted by because I'd so intrigued, like when he would do the Jewish princess, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, Daphne's Zuniga's yeah. part. He was so brilliant, you know, with attitude and like arrogance, and he'd throw it all in in one lining reading. You yeah, know? yeah. But so he was funny. like a big learning thing because he was saying, "Pullman, you're just taking too long. You know, you got to you got to commit to something. You know, you're going to be doing press for this in Japan. You're going. That's how I should have done that line. Right, right. You know, it's like no, why you're going to do the line. You know? Wow, it was really interesting training. Yeah, know, for me coming out, and also like people like Candy, who was like an established. Like, he knew who he was, comedically. Yeah, but I think he was also a little scared. Oh, yeah? Around to be, I mean, both he and Rick had come from such different comedy. Right, 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 right. right. They were committing, and they were box office jefes, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Mel was actually uh, on the skids, you know? Oh, yeah. Right. So, at that point, you yeah, know, yeah. It just and it was a challenge for Mel to, you know, just say, I'm going to work with these other new comics and I'm going to allow them to do whatever they wow. want. But if it was much, you tell there would be, you know, a little friction. Tension. Sure, yeah. sure. Like, wow. you know, I do it this way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get in my face. You know, right. John, John's so gentle. His whole comedy was just these small little grace notes right, that would right. be just bubbling along. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, you could squash them in a second. You know, well, but, right. It was very sensitive, huh? Very sensitive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's too much. But he was, he always looked looked out for me john so he you know he knew he had power right but he just was not comfortable always to assert power oh right you know? right right so he what he he made sure you didn't get crushed well he, he did what he can he consoled me mm. you know so then, you know <laughs> he used to go to his trailer to have his pritikin diet diet lunches you yeah, know yeah, yeah, and right. then he uh, would always you know we'd drink this real you know, gruel you know, yeah just yeah. thin brothy kind of thing yeah yeah and yeah think, this is kind of good and then we and then his driver frankie was yeah. always with him would bring in a dozen donuts you know oh, finish up with donuts <laughs> <laughs> but he was like uh, you, you guys would come down from the melbrook storm together yeah, yeah yeah i think so you know it's just kind of yeah you'd uh, say come on in here i'll you know just Let's hang out. Yeah, let's hang out. Yeah. yeah, and talk about other things. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice that you have. Uh, you met all these guys. Good times. So, like, now what? What are you going to be doing now? You can. You got theater on the horizon, or what's? You know, I, I've, to, I'm going to try to just clear the clear the dockets for a little bit. So do some canning. Yeah, might be just get back into the orchard <laughs> for a little while, and yeah. uh, you know, got a a few things going on in in la so i'd like to stay in la for a little bit you know yeah it's been interesting i was been lucky to get a lot of work even during covid you sure know, so yeah did halston which is oh yeah that's right series that's right we did last i haven't year. watched that yet that's with uh mcgregor and yeah you and mcgregor yeah. people like it i think it's an interesting yeah. journey and was and but uh but it Right now, I think it's going to be good to just kind of wait and see for a little bit. Yeah, why not? Yeah, relax. Yeah, yeah. You got how many kids you got around? Three, and they're all in town. Yep, they're all. And your wife is in the business, or no, no, no. Well, that's good. It's nice to be around the family. Just you know, I like I I got to go. I go into New York for a few days, and I'm sort of like, oh god, like you guys who act, like because I do some acting, but like I get offered stuff. 
small movies and they're like it's like you know six weeks in new orleans i'm like i don't i don't live that life man yeah that's like it must be hard for well, you to how do you yeah well it's it breaks just, your but, rhythm and well well that's it but like if you're an actor you're used to that i mean you know you get offers it's sort of like this is gonna be like six months yeah you're gonna hear the here's the you know maybe you can see your family yeah. you know you know you know all you're worried about is like am i gonna be comfortable but you have to go away i go nuts yeah i've got cats I, i'm away for four days i'm like what the fuck are the cats gonna do but i'm an, a lunatic i almost didn't move out of my old house because the cat was comfortable outside there so i, I, I i've got to refigure <laughs> i think i'm surrendering a little too much power to, <laughs> to, the, to these animals that don't give a shit uh, yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it's it's a weird job acting you got to be willing to, you know, like, all right, this is part of it. I'm going to go to uh, Ireland for a year. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. I would love, actually. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, I'm ready to get out. Ready, <laughs> you're ready to this leave place the cats. Is, yeah, only, this place is going down. <laughs> it's time to, time to find another land. <laughs> <laughs> I see your neighbors are Halloween people and well, do, do big, you man. do halloween do you give out I, candy? I, I, we made a couple pumpkins carved a couple pumpkins yeah i gave out candy the place was it was crazy this halloween it was yeah. nice yeah because last year it was just sad yeah. but this year they're like they were out with a vengeance parents with their little kids coming over yeah i bought like four bags of candy and i went through all of it i didn't even get to stash any for myself oh yeah <laughs> i almost pre-stashed it that was like i'm like i'm gonna put this in the freezer for me like the twix bars like but then they kept coming i'm like nah fuck i guess i i bought it for them right you know, <laughs> <laughs> but it is the gift of LA that you could be at Glendale. You have this yeah. neighborhood, so you have I love a it. sense of community. I love it. Yeah, I know can... my neighbors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That guy's uh, he's in the business. A guy with all the stuff on his yard still. He's I think he's at Disney. He does something. But every year with the Halloween, he had a whole operating room set up out there. This year is a organ. Like he does. He does a thing. It's his thing, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, keep yeah. it up. It's yeah. nice. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was great talking to you, pal. Well, good to talk to you, Mark. Bill Pullman, The Sinner, the finale, this Wednesday, December 1st on USA Network. Okay, here, here. I'm going to play my uh, Banker Custom Karina Explorer. Yeah, straight into the Dirty Old Man amp. I'm not the Dirty Old Man. The amp is. The amp is. I have my moments.
Funky and La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. Thank <laughs> you. 